Hello, Miss Capel. Hello, Brother Capel. Uh oh, what? Hello, Brother Capel. Hello. Today we're going to talk about Jude. What day is it? Today's date is April 2nd, 2018. Yes. Talk about Jude. We're going to read Jude. We're going to break it all down for you. And I usually tell you what we're going to talk about, but there's a lot of topics here. Mm-hmm. And basically, we're talking about apostasy, leaving the faith, an antichrist spirit, people sitting right next to you in church, pastors, teachers, ministers that are false brethren, and um, they're deceiving. And what's happening in the last days, because it's a last day prophecy that's fulfilled, being fulfilled right now. Mm-hmm. And um, also about contending for the faith. It's a big thing. Fighting for those doctrines of gospel truth that have, have already been given us. Right. All right. And so, you know what, Brother Kapow? Mm-hmm. It seems like this has really opened up since our last um, Freedom Friday show. Yeah, it really has. Because on Freedom Friday, we talked about um, this Professor Lou. L-E-E-W or something like that. Mm-hmm. L-E-E-W. Yeah. So you'll have to go to Freedom Friday or last Freedom Friday and listen to that if you haven't, because this guy is a professor at the Holy Cross uh, Theological School. It's mm-hmm. a Jesuit, Catholic Jesuit school. And he interprets the New Testament through his perverse homo sexual, transgender, gender-bending, demonic delusion. Mm -hmm. And he says very blasphemous things against God and our Lord Jesus Christ, even going as far as saying that Christ was a drag king with homosexual desires, that he and his followers, um, you know, engaged in homosexuality. There was some sensualness in um, many of the stories. And stuff I won't even repeat here, what mm-hmm. he says about the father and the relationship to the son, totally disgusting. Um, so you would have to go there if you haven't heard it to see, to read that. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going on in this day of age. Um, the other the other thing that just came out was, uh, we didn't get to talk about this on Freedom Friday because it came out the next day, was the Pope declaring that there's no hell. Yeah. So he has a, uh, apparently he has an atheist friend. Uh, right there should tell you something. It's, it's his buddy. And he was given an interview with this guy. And in the interview, this atheist had asked poop Jesuit <laughs> Frankie <laughs> uh, about some of the things he had talked about earlier about, uh, heaven and hell and things like that. And basically what the poop said is if you're good, yeah, you go to heaven and you know, whatever, you know, you're taken care of. But if you're bad at the end of the day, you just cease to exist. You disappear. Yeah. And yeah, the nice. guy, yeah. And the guy even said, so there's no hell, hell fire. He says, no, you just, you just disappear. So the poop obviously is an antichrist pagan leader. You all know that, you know, there's nothing Christian in Catholicism. You, you all know that. Um, But still, they pretend that they're Christian. And for him to go all out like that, well, it had the Vatican scrambling to try to, 
you know, rectify what he said because mm-hmm. they're going to lose a lot of money. They don't, they don't care about people's souls or people going to hell. Believe me, they don't care about warning people about that. They care about keeping people in fear and in uh, penance. Mm-hmm. They give them, it's all about money. But anyway, these are two extreme examples. This Professor Lou guy who's speaking blasphemous things, teaching blasphemous things, saying Jesus Christ was homosexual and transgender and all this stuff. And the Pope saying there's no hell. Uh, plus, he sets himself as a representative of Christ here on earth. He's the vicar, you know, of, of Christ. Yep. So right there is blasphemy because he's setting himself not only equal to, but above Jesus Christ mm-hmm. here on earth. Those are two examples, extreme examples. But you have to realize there's more moderate, less obvious examples sitting right next to you. Right. And that's what you have to be concerned about. It's easy to see, well, it should be easy to see poop, Frankie Jesuit, and go, yeah, that guy's an antichrist or easy to see professor Lou and say, yeah, there's demons, the dragons speaking out of that lamb's mouth, Mm -hmm. right? That should be fairly easy, but it might not be so easy to dissect your pastor or a minister or somebody you're watching on TV or somebody sitting next to you to the pew or your, you know, your worship leader or your woman's group or your men's group. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yep. You're that's right where, tone, brother Kapow. Yeah, and that's where it gets a little tricky, and you have to use a lot of discernment here. And Jude has warned us about this. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. It's a wonderful book. So we're going to delve into it. Miss Kapow is going to read. I'm going to be interrupting her every chance I can <laughs> to insert my, uh, you know, my commentary. But it's only 25 verses, so hopefully we'll get through it today. And um, I think you're going to learn something here. Yep. Okay? Yep. All right, Ms. Kapan. All right. You have the floor. Okay. We're going to start here with uh, Jude 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Stop. And when I tell Ms. Capel to stop, I'm not being rude. That's just our code word for me to jump in. Yes. Right? Quit judging me. <laughs> okay. Jude, he says he's a servant of Jesus Christ foremost. We should be servants of Jesus Christ. Right? Right. Foremost. Above all else. And then he says, brother of James. And James was a half-brother of our Lord Jesus. And James was the leader of the Jerusalem church. I'm not going to get into details or debates or anything. Many believe that uh, Jude was, in fact, a half-brother of Jesus Christ. Others believe that the term brothers referred to as cousin, things like that. It makes little difference. Um, it's somebody who was involved in the church. His brother, James was the head of the Jerusalem church uh, after Pentecost. And that's what's important. So, you know, what he's writing is it's apostleship and it has all the authority of an apostle. Mm-hmm. And it says uh, by God, the father and preserved. Okay. Preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So when he says, when he greets his readers, and that includes us, 
because he's he's writing originally to a Jewish church, a Jewish church mm-hmm. that has uh, the doctrines and teachings of Judaism, real Judaism, as a foundation. We have that too as Gentiles because we've learned these things. Right. So he's writing to us as well. So when he says preserved in Jesus Christ and called, he doesn't he doesn't mean once saved, always saved. That that you're the audience reading this and you're preserved in Jesus Christ because you said a sinner's prayer and went on your way. You know, you're not Ellis Cooper. Ellis Cooper's the other guy we talked about on Freedom Friday. Ellis Cooper thinks he has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but he could still be a satanic rock star. Mm-hmm. You see. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that because Ellis Cooper is not a servant of Jesus Christ. This message is for servants of Jesus Christ. So anyone who's not a servant of Jesus Christ is not saved. They're not preserved. Mm-hmm. You're only preserved if you're a servant of Jesus Christ. Okay. Right. There's no once saved, always saved. There is eternal security when you're a servant of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and you walk in His way. Then you're eternally secure and preserved. If you don't do that, you're not, okay? There's no such thing as once saved, always saved. You don't get saved once and then go your merry way. Mm -hmm. You understand that? Because many don't. Many are confused about that for no reason. They're only, they're deceived and they don't know the Bible. Verse two, Mr. Kapow. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Okay, and verse three. A, just a second. It just went to another book. Hold on a minute. I could do verse three. three. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Okay, let's park here for a while. There's a lot right here. So Jude is writing to us and his original audience was a Jewish church, people who were saved, and they accepted the salvation and the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Messiah. So in verse 3, when he says, Beloved, I gave all diligence. I really worked hard to write to you about our common salvation. You know? Mm -hmm. I was going to talk about really cool stuff. You know, just how neat Jesus is, how he redeemed us by his blood, and he atoned us for his sins, right? Mm-hmm. Great stuff. But as, as apparently as Jude was about to do this, he then says, it was needful for me to write and exhort you. So instead of just talking about the common salvation and all that cool stuff, I really had it pressed upon me that I needed to exhort you, okay? Because obviously... There's some warning and some possible problems going on mm-hmm. that I really have to implore and beseech, right? Entreat you about these things. Yeah, and exhort means like to call you near. It's like, I have something really important to tell you. Come here and listen to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not like just a light uh, conversation, Mm-mm. right? Serious. Yeah. And so he says, I, I felt the need, I had to exhort you about what? That you, us, should earnestly, 
ooh, earnestly, not half-heartedly, right? Earnestly. I mean, really, really get out there and do it. That we should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, us. Mm-hmm. Earnestly contend, the word contend, Ms. Kapow. I wouldn't even know how to pronounce it. Epogonizomai. Mm-hmm. It means to struggle for content. I mean, when you see um, a boxing match or mixed martial arts, what do they call these two people that are fighting each other? Contenders. Mm-hmm. Contenders. Why? It's called, they're fighting. They're wrestling. Mm-hmm. Just like Paul wrote in Ephesians. Exactly. Six. You have to fight for it. And that's why Jude opens up with preserved in Jesus Christ and called. That's not an automatic standing just because you say a Lord's sinner's prayer and go your merry way and continue to be a satanic rock star. You have to repent and turn away from your sins, pal. That's, that's truth. So what he's writing to you is that you can't just say a sinner's prayer and go your merry way. You have to contend for the faith pistis, the persuasion or the conviction, the truthfulness of God, mm-hmm. which you once at one time, you heard the gospel, was delivered, was given to you. You've, you've heard it. You heard it in church or you heard it from your pastor, you heard it from your grandmother or you heard it from uh, Miss Kapow or Brother Kapow. You heard it somewhere and you decided, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And it was delivered unto you because you're, you're, the, you're the saints. We're the saints. We're, we're holy. We're holy. We're separated. We're God's cho- chosen uh, nation mm-hmm. now, right? Mm-hmm. Both Jew and Gentile. So Jude is saying, I have to exhort you. I'm really have to, I'm really having to remind you about this, that you could earnestly fight for the faith, fight for the faith. This is so important to really have to understand this. It really is a commandment. It's it not is. something, um, what do you, it's not optional. Yes. It really is. Um, in Philippians one twenty seven. Paul writes to that church and he says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast, right? Not don't waver, don't fall, stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together, fighting together for the faith of the gospel. Don't, don't be deceived by these money preachers or just because someone's a pastor or somebody has a, a ministry on television or on YouTube or, you know what I mean? You be careful because they're all, a deceiver means just that. They deceive. They're among you. They're not on the outside. They're on the inside. This is a last day prophecy. This is what's prophesied what's going on in the last days. All right. Yeah, because we always look for the enemy on the outside. 
Yeah. You never look for the enemy that's on the inside. Yeah. You know, and it's for us, it's pretty obvious that Professor Lou at the Holy Cross Jesuit, you know, Catholic cemetery <laughs> is an antichrist. I mean, that's not hard to see for us. But for some people, they may have problems with that. They may think he's really a Christian. That's right. Because he, he teaches New Testament theology and he's a Catholic. When he's a pope. Yeah, well, and a pope, too. People, people might have a problem with that, 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 that's really a holy guy. Or maybe they like Ellis Cooper. I don't know. Or who are we to judge? You know, that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Well, we are to judge. You, you are to use discernment. You're not to sit in a seat of judgment as a Supreme Court judge to sentence people to hell. That's God's job. But you're just supposed to discern and judge people. Yeah, you're supposed you to are. have critical thinking. Yeah. There's a lot of lies out there, folks, and we're going to get into some of these lies that people tell about this book to keep you down mm-hmm. and to keep you um, defenseless against Satan. Okay? The other thing I want to point out, when it says contend for the faith, it means to fight for the faith. In Nehemiah, if you go to Nehemiah chapter 417, it says... There's a story there that when the Jews were allowed back into Jerusalem to rebuild it after the destruction of uh, AD uh, 586, the Babylonian destruction, and they were allowed back in, Nehemiah, as the leader of these people, as they were rebuilding the walls, they had a lot of problems. There was a lot of their own brethren fighting against them. Mm-hmm. Jealousy. There was a lot of evil people, evil Jews fighting against them. And so what they had to do is everybody who was working with one hand, they were working, but with the other hand, they had it on their weapon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as they're working, trouble came, they had a fight. That's right. And it's spiritually, that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. So while you're working, while you're, obtaining the doctrines and studying the word of God and ministering how um, God leads you to minister, you always have your hand on the sword, pal. Mm -hmm. You're always ready to fight. Always sleep with your hands above the blankets so that you can fight if you're attacked. Mm -hmm. Always sleep with your hand on your weapon in case you have an intruder in your house in the middle of the night. I'm talking spiritually. He who has ears, let him hear, mm-hmm. right? So in Nehemiah 4.17, it says, they which build it on the wall and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work and with the other hand held a weapon. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? Yeah. See, they were alert and sober. Yeah. And you know what? It also goes to with the Ephesians 6, doesn't it? It does. Spiritual warfare. See, we are, we're called to do warfare, folks. We're called to contend. You know, don't get the deliverance ministry and casting out demons and spiritual warfare. Don't get all crazy and, and nutty about this. And that it's, it's a biblical command that you contend. Okay, and that's how you obtain eternal salvation. That's how you obtain your eternal security in Christ because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, not simply because you said a prayer one time. All right, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yep. Can we move on from there? Yep. 
about verse 4? Verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares. And this is why I believe he, his, his uh, language changed, you know, where he was going to, you know, mm-hmm. um, talk to them about their salvation. But now he's going to exhort them to earnestly contend for their faith. The reason why is because certain men have crept unawares who were before of old ordained to his condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only God, Lord God, and our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Ms. Kapow brings that point up. This is why Jude changes his mind. He was going to talk about all the great things Christ did, the gospel. But he says, man, I have to exhort you because there are certain people that you're not aware of who are now sneaking around. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's not talking about people outside of the, the Christian church. Mm-mm. He's not talking about outsiders. Every, everybody knows who the atheist is, who the bad guy is, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows who the church of Satan is. These are the people in here. These are the Jesuits. That's right. Right. And as he says, who were before, of old ordained to this condemnation. In other words, they were written about. Someone wrote about it. In fact, the word ordained is that, to write previously. That's what it means, to announce or prescribe. Well, you'll learn later, the person who announced this to the Holy Spirit was Enoch. It's in the book of Enoch. Mm -hmm. The book of Enoch is all about the last day generation. And I really highly suggest those of you who have not read the book the books of Enoch, get the um, C.H. Charles version. Mm-hmm. If you can't that, you can't get that. Get the Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, Lawrence version. Was the very first one to make English out of it. But all the other ones are are crap mm-hmm. because then the Jesuits got a hold of it and started messing with it. C.H. Uh, Charles, you get it free online. Go to ancient text or something. Read it because it, you will think it was written in the New Testament. All right. it does is glorify the Son of God. Mm-hmm. So this is what Jude is talking about. He's talking about this was written a long time ago. And those prophecies, Enoch talked about these ungodly men that will turn the grace of God into sin, lasciviousness. Mm-hmm. Everybody say Lasciviousness. 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 Everybody knows what that means? It means filthy, mm-hmm. unbridled lust, excess, outrageousness, shamelessness, insolence. It sounds like uh, the Nasty Woman March. Mm-hmm. It sounds like uh, what's going on today. Everywhere. Nastiness, filthiness. But these people turn people from the grace of God into sin. How do they do that? God is love, and it's okay if you want to be a sodomite because God understands love, and he's not going to judge. That's how they do it. And he accepts everybody. He accepts everybody no matter where you're at. You know what? Don't worry about repenting of your sins. Come to the Lord. Just come to this church and sit here, and all that'll just that'll change eventually. You don't need to turn. Oh, that's a big, that's a big, that's a big uh, deceiving lie that's told today a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, everything is like, how do we get people into our church? We have to uh, make it relevant. 
you know, hell and damnation is not relevant. I just saw a video uh, last week. Mr. Capel and I saw a video on Facebook uh, and it was actually advertising a camera. But what they did with this oh, camera, yeah. yeah, it was called Metal Mass. And they recorded a heavy metal rock band uh, with a mass, a Catholic mass. And um, it's just blasphemy, you know. But it was advertising the camera. <laughs> but they used that. To have to, see what I'm saying? So turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, filthiness. Okay. And they deny. Who did they deny? The only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, Jesus Christ was God made flesh. God, God and Christ are equal. They're one and the same, right? Jesus was manifested in the flesh. They deny the only, the only Lord. God, Yahweh, the creator God, and our Lord, Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus Christ. They deny him. Oh, not to your face. Does a, does a Pope deny him to your face? No. He talks about him all the time, but not the real Jesus. Okay, verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Okay, now Jude is going to give us three... I believe three examples of putting you into remembrance. I'm therefore going to remind you is what he's saying. Mm -hmm. This is stuff you once knew, but I need to remind you that number one, God, our Lord saved Israel out of the land of Egypt, but then afterwards destroyed those very same people. The ones that believed not, they didn't have faith in him. They didn't have no piss. Deal. Mm -hmm. No commitment, no trust. They didn't put their trust in him. Do you see the once saved, always saved thing here? Mm -hmm. How it doesn't exist? <laughs> Just because Israel was taken to the land of Egypt and they were called God's people didn't mean they didn't get destroyed from disobeying his commandments and not being committed to him. Yeah, because the, it's just like getting saved, God saving you, and then you falling away. That's exactly what the Israelites did. They it's got backsliding. saved mm -hmm. and they fell away. It's backsliding. You don't have to worry about that. Or you don't have to worry about, oh, I might have sinned today. or about. You don't have to worry about that as long as you're following Jesus Christ, his commandments, and you stay in the love of God. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about it. You, have, you do have eternal salvation, eternal security, but only if you meet those criteria. Don't let anybody deceive you otherwise, folks. So Jude's putting all of us in remembrance of that. We go, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. The second thing he wants to remind us of is verse six. Go ahead. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. We've done a million shows on Genesis 6, 4, the sons of God, angels coming down, mating with the daughters of men, creating the Nephilim, the hybrid giants. Oh, we've done a million shows. So has a lot of other people. The book of Enoch talks about it. The book of Jubilees talks about it. Disembodied spirits of the Nephis. That's what we call demons. 
So we're not going to go over all of that. Jude is saying the same thing. Angels kept not their first estate, their principality, their, um, their chief place. Where was that? The principalities, the rule. Well, there were rulers of the air. They're, they left their job. They left their own habitation where they lived, their own house, uh, probably their own spiritual body and came into this dimension. That's my opinion. Uh, and what, they, what did they do? They mated with women. And of course, they taught men and women all kinds of sin, war, um, acrimony, you know, the putting, making up of the eyelids, the, um, the, uh, the, 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 yeah, the, the rootings, witchcraft, sodomy, the whole bit. And he says, he, God hath reserved an everlasting change, chains under darkness unto the day of judgment of the great day. This is all in Enoch. It's all in the book of Jubilees. It's all to be written, uh, read there. Okay. So that's the second thing Jude is saying. He's saying, first, God didn't spare Israel, even though he saved them out of Egypt because they turned against him. Two, he didn't even spare angels who sinned against him. Right? Mm-hmm. And three, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Sodom and Gomorrah. As we get the word sodomites, they were doing sexual perversion, probably mating with angels again, probably mating and doing a hybrid program more than likely. If not, they were at least sodomites. They were at least very perverted, pedophilia, <laughs> anything you can imagine, kind of like what you see today. And so back then, God destroyed them uh, from the sky uh, with fire and brimstone. And that's an example of their suffering is an example of the vengeance that's coming on those who do such things of eternal fire, hell fire. So Jude gives us those three examples, right? He's warning us. Look at these three examples of people who turn from the obedience of God. That should be a lesson. And then in verse eight, he, he ties it all into these people, these men and women who have snuck into your body, your, your church. Mm-hmm. It says in verse 8, Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. And I'm going to have to park here for a second because this, this passage is important in understanding a later passage about Michael, the archangel disputing uh, with Satan over the body of Moses, which confuses people. It's confused some. Verse eight interprets this. First, he's talking about these, these people who crept in unawares. They're filthy dreamers. And it reminds me of somebody who's um, in the matrix. They're beguiled. They're, they, they're dreaming. They think it's, it's a reality when it's not. You know, they're on the blue pill. That's what it reminds me of. He says, these filthy dreamers, they defile the flesh just like they did, uh, just like the angels did, right? Created a Nephilim and just like the Sodomites did to defile the flesh. And right here, this is important, folks. Wake up. Despise dominion. Dominion. Whose dominion? 
um, I'm, I, I want you to think about that. They're despising dominion. Uh, who, what, what? There's only one who has ultimate dominion and that's God. Dominion, power, lordship. There's only one who possesses dominion. That's God and his son, Jesus Christ. So when it says they despise dominion, who are they despising? God. Mm -hmm. When the Pope says I'm equal to Christ, actually kind of above him here on earth, I'm the vicar of Christ and there is no hell. And I could do what when the Pope says that, who does he despise? What dominion is he despising? God and Christ. Oh, you get it? Yeah. So later on, we're going to talk about Michael. Well, the next verse, we're going to be talking about Michael, the archangel fighting with Satan and not speaking evil against him. Okay, just hold on. They despise dominion, despise God, and speak evil of dignities. Not dignitaries, dignities. That's doxa. That's where we get our word doxology. You know what it means? It means glory. It means glory, dignity, glory, honor, praise, worship. Judgment. In the New Testament, always a good opinion concerning one, resulting in praise, honor, glory. It's a doxology. Who gets worship? God. God. Jesus Christ. So when it says these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, they're sodomites, they're pedophiles, they have uh, uh, affairs on their wives, they do all this stuff, right? They're perverts, they defile themselves. These people that crept into your church unawares, false doctrine, hmm. they despise God and they speak evil of dignity of Jesus Christ, his worship. That's what that means. That's important. Yep. That's important to understand that because you cannot give Joel Olsten a pass. Mm-mm. Olstein. You can't give Joel a pass and go, well, he's a good guy. He's done a lot of good things. <laughs> And you can't give Creflo Dollar a pass. I, I know there's a whole lot more newer people out there. Mm-hmm. You know, Paula White, yep. the spiritual advisor to Donald Trump. You can't give Paula White a pass because she's a filthy dreamer who defiles the flesh and she despises God's dominion and she speaks evil of Jesus Christ. Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland, all those guys. So you really need to think about who you listen to and who you admire and what they're doing. Are they a filthy dreamer who's crept in unaware? Do you want to associate with people who despise God and speak evil of Jesus Christ? Mm-mm. Because Enoch prophesied about such people 6,000 years ago. And he prophesied what's going to happen to them. And I guarantee you, if you're hooked to their wagon, it's going to happen to you. Verse 9, Miss Capel. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a thrilling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. This has been taken out of context and misquoted and used to, and and good theologians too, good theologians have also said, have, have, have made this error. They've used this that you're not supposed to rebuke 
the devil or demons in the name of Jesus. Because because Michael wouldn't even bring an accusation against Satan. Yeah, that's true. You have a story, Miss Capel. Well, yeah. One of um, when I went to Calvary, there was a Bible study, and um, basically, I was I was sharing the authority that we have in Christ and that we can rebuke the enemy. And um, one of the um, church leaders there uh, rebuked me and used this scripture to tell me that I could not. Um, or you know, rail against or or, or um, rebuke the enemy because not even Michael the archangel did it, so you shouldn't do it exactly. And that person who told you that, that person who told you that was one of these people who crept in unawares, despising dominion and speaking evil of Christ's dignity and deceiving you, trying to deceive you. Mm-hmm. Didn't want you to have power. Now, number one, we don't follow Michael the archangel. We follow Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says in Mark 16 mm-hmm. that the world would know us by um, our healing, Mm-mm. our casting out of demons, our, our ability to take in poison and not get hurt. hurt. Nope. Uh, you know, Jesus says these things. Not Michael. We have power over the enemy. Ephesians 6. Christ has given us his power. So you don't follow Michael the archangel anyway, but this is not what that's about. This has nothing to do with that. Mm -mm. In context, Judah's saying, here's three things I need to remind you of. Egypt got punished when they left the faith. Sodom and Gomorrah went after strange flesh. The angels got punished when they went after strange flesh, right? Mm-hmm. Likewise, there's, there's people crept in underwears and they despise God and they despise Jesus Christ. And it says, then he says, yet, yet not even Michael, the archangel who was way above these despisers. He's way above them. When he contended with the devil, he was disputing about the body of Moses he didn't even bring uh, an, a railing accusation against Satan, but said, Lord, rebuke thee. But in verse 10, I'll take this, Ms. Capel, because okay. it goes, flows. Sure. But in verse 10, it says, but these, these ones who crept in unawares, speak evil of those things which they know not. Mm. But they, but what they know naturally as Bruce Beast in the things they corrupt themselves. What Jude is doing is he's comparing Michael, the archangel, who's so above these people, wouldn't even say bad things against Satan, who he recognized, hey, that guy was a heavyweight archangel himself hmm. and had dominion over this, this world before he rebelled. I'm, God can rebuke him. I'm not going to even say that because Jude is saying Michael had more class and knowledge than these beasts who talk crap against God and Jesus, against dominion and dignities. Mm. Way above Satan. Do you understand this? Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Kind of? Mm-hmm. The only way I can put, okay, let me try to put it this way. A judge in California sentences Charles Manson to life in prison. Right? A judge 
a state judge sentences an evil man that deserves to be railed against to life in prison, but the judge does not stand up and rail against him. He doesn't go blah, 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 right? He just sentences him. He just does his job. But then there's people who are a lot lower than a state-appointed judge. They're just a bunch of stupid kids and protesters and celebrities. They're a lot lower than him, railing against the office of the president. We need to do this to Trump and do this to Trump or whatever, right? That's You understand what I'm saying? That's what Jude's saying. Not even Michael in his high position. He had more class than what these people would do. Mm-hmm. Verse 9 has nothing to do with spiritual warfare. It has nothing to do with not rebuking a demon. I hope that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. Because it's awfully quiet out there, Mr. Powell. Mm-hmm. Awfully quiet out well, there. Well, they're absorbing and they're, they're, they're thinking what you're okay. saying. Okay. Okay, I already read uh, verse 10. So they speak evil against things they don't know not. What things don't they know? God. They don't know about God and Jesus Christ and all his magnificent. And that's why it's important that we increase our knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 11. Woe unto them. For they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Cain was the first guy, he was the first murderer, and he did that out of jealousy and hatred for uh, the righteous, mm-hmm. Abel. And he was offered repentance. Even, you know, God said, why do you look so long-faced? If you repent now... You'll be okay, but if you don't, sin is waiting at the door. And uh, how about Balaam? It was all about money for Balaam. Guy was a prophet of God. Mm-hmm. But he'll curse Israel for money. He'll curse Israel for money. How about Creflo Dollar and Joel Olstein and what's the other snake you, you mentioned? Uh, oh, Copeland. Copeland and you know, all those guys. How about those people? It's all about money. They're mega preachers, mega churches. They'll sell you out for money. Mm -hmm. Jude warned us about these fools. Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer. And and we're going old school. Can you imagine the ones that are out there today? Oh, yeah. Because we don't follow these clowns. I don't know the names. Uh, I think Rob Rob Bell is making a resurgence, I I think, Mm -hmm. at some point. There's so many. Oh, Hillsong. Hillsong. That guy uh, who has a homosexual relationship with uh, Justin uh, Bieber? Justin Bieber, yeah, that that guy, the cowboy pastor, the cowboy pastor. <laughs> that's that's right, yeah, the naked cowboy pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, we can go on and on, you know, but but they write some good music and a lot of it. Uh, no, Mm-mm. choose ye this day who you're going to serve: Christian music or God. It's simple as that. As simple as that. I don't make this up. Jude wrote about it, and Jude wrote about it because Enoch prophesied it 6,000 years ago. You know, hey, we can't all be wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. It's because you like uh, Christian rock, whatever. Okay, and what did Korah do? Korah gainsayed. He, he murmured. He wanted to be priest. It's not fair. Aaron's the priest. I want to be the high priest. I want position. I want power. Okay, verse Mm -hmm. verse 12, please. 
These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of the winds of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit twice dead, plucked up by the roots. There's a lot there. The Greek word spots in this area is spilus. And, uh, but what it means is a ledge or a reef of rock in the sea. And it's been kind of confused with, um, second Peter who actually uses another Greek word that means spots like spots and blemishes. But, but in context, this spot, like I said, the Greek word means like a, like a, a hidden rock, a hidden rock. It's like when you're, you're uh, um, a seaman has a boat, you know, and he's in a bay. There's danger of hitting a reef, a rock, a hidden iceberg, the Titanic, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he's talking about. These are hidden dangers. They're rocks in your Feast of Charity. Feast of Charity used to come right after the Lord's Supper in the old days. And they would have a love feast. They would eat and they would love on each other and talk about Christ and stuff. It was abandoned, uh, I think, in the fourth century or something like that, you know, when the Roman church took over everything. But um, they used to do that. And it says that when they feast with you, they feed themselves Mm -hmm. without respect, without fear. It's only about them, you see. And then he says they're clouds without water. They, they're empty. They're useless. They're like chemtrails. Mm-hmm. Carried about of the winds, which means that they just go from one doctrine to the next. What's the sexy thing? Oh, today we're going to follow crystal skulls. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to talk about Nephilims. Oh, let's talk about the little fairy, the rubber fairy found in Peru. It's very much like the, the, the parable about the seeds. You know, the, the rock and then they don't have enough root. So yeah. they just kind of like wander around. There's no root in them. No root. And so they dry up and die. That's exactly what, what Jesus was talking about. It all ties in. They're unfruitful. Unfruitful. Because the next says carried about of the winds, right? And then it says trees whose fruit withers without fruit. Let me ask you this. Are we supposed to be fruitful? Yep. Galatians 5 has a whole list of fruits of the flesh and fruits of the spirit. In fact, the word, the word says that we, have to have, that we should have fruit that's everlasting. And that comes out of us. You grow fruit because you're, you're abiding in the vine. If you don't abide, abide in the vine, which is Christ, you can't, you can't produce fruit. Mm-mm. So you see someone who's a Christian, but there's no fruit. They're not in the vine. Because you can't be in the vine without producing fruit. So he says, these are trees that are withered. They don't have fruit. But then he says, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. It's not once saved, always saved. You can fall. You can backslide. You were dead to sins and trespasses before you repented and came to Christ. But now you're not bearing fruit. Now you're dead again. But this time you're plucked up by the roots. Yep. There ain't no coming back. You took your hand off the plow. Not good. Mm-mm. Verse 13. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Raging waves, and it goes with the hidden rocks. 
These are spots or hidden rocks in your Feast of Charity because they're going to shipwreck you. The raging waves of the sea. There is, you know how uh, the, the, oh, in fact, that goes with, that goes with some of these older, let's see, let's see, let's see. uh, There were some scriptures in Isaiah that I no longer have. Isaiah 57, 20, maybe? I don't know. I don't know, Miss Cabral. I don't know. Um, anyway, I'm wasting time, so I'm not going to do that. Anyway, so anyway, it goes with some other ancient scriptures. There was some in Isaiah. I read those earlier. Here, Isaiah 57, 20. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt, That's and there right. is no peace, said, saith my God to the wicked. That's the one. That's the one. And see, it, it casts up mire and junk and everything. So they're foaming out their own shame. It, out of the heart, out of the heart comes, you know. And the they return to their own vomit, basically. Yeah. They're wandering stars, they're meteorites, they're asteroids, just shooting in the sky, no purpose, just boom, boom. They're reserved for darkness forever. Verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his angel, uh, saints. That's a direct quote. In fact, uh, your slip there saying angels is exactly what he's coming with. Yeah, he's that's not, what I remember. Yeah, he's not, he's not, yeah, he's not coming with us. He's coming with angels, angels. And that's found everywhere else in scriptures. But verse 14, Enoch, why is it important that he said that Enoch's the seventh from Adam? Why is that important from here to say that? Just because seven is a cool number and it's God's number? I mean, why would he say that? Now, this is my personal opinion. I think because Enoch's a book of prophecy, it opens up with uh, a prophecy. The book is written for those living in the last days. That's what the book's written about. So it behooves you to read it. But many there, there were many people in the early church that believed that the six days of creation and God rested on the seventh was prophetic, that there was going to be a day to the Lord was a thousand years. And there was going to be approximately 6,000 years and then before the Sabbath, before God ended the last age. They also believed that those distinct six periods were distinct dispositions or ages. And that Enoch was symbolic being the seventh from Adam. He was the last and he prophesied the noetic flood. Mm-hmm. And then the flood came. And a new age started. So I personally believe that's the case. I believe that's why Jude put that in there. Enoch also descended from Adam. It's it's telling you that Enoch prophesied right before judgment. I'm Jude and prophesying and giving you the stuff in the last days. And in the last days, like Second Peter says, there will become mockers and scoffers. And when you see these people in your love feast, you see them among you, leading you. You see the Pope and you see Professor Lou and you see Alice Cooper and on and on and on. Did you know what Enoch was saying? Behold, Lord, Jesus Christ is coming with 10,000s of his saints. That's used for like innumerable saints. And mm-hmm. what's he going to do in verse 15, Ms. Capel? Well, and I was going to even say like oh. in, in Thessalonians, it talks about the apostasy. When you see the apostasy, you know, the redemption's going to come. That's right. right? That's right. And that's, and that's what Jude's all talking about. Mm-hmm. Those who 
Well, they're twice dead. Mm -hmm. They're apostate. They're backslidden. Verse 15, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. That's a direct quote from Enoch. That's heavy. Ungodly doesn't mean just, well, just a sinner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's not just some guy who's, a, who's, a, who's an alcoholic or a heroin addict or whatever going, oh, God, you know, I need help. I need to be able to kick this habit. You know, he's not that guy. These are sinners who are anti-God. They hate God. They hate they're, God. They're the God haters. It's like the, it's like the scripture before it that says they speak evil against dominion mm-hmm. and dignity. They hate God. Ms. Capel, that's absolutely that word. God haters is what this is all about. Mm-hmm. You can sum it up with that, that, that term. Yeah. And where it goes on to say that all their hard speeches, yeah. which ungodly sinners have spoken against him, God. Yes. Exactly. Think of that Professor Lou oh, we were talking about. Exactly. That's who says Jesus was a trans king and he had homosexual trice with his disciples. Are those, is that some hard Testing. speech against dignity, mm-hmm. against glory, against worship? Yeah. yeah. That's, this, that's that guy. And has he crept in unawares? Yep. Oh, yeah. He's a Jesuit professor at the Holy Cross theological school he's the chair of new testament studies Mm -hmm. don't tell me jude's prophecy in jude's book isn't right on for today that's right it's talking about today that's how you know how close you are you know and the pope Mm -hmm. oh yeah he comes off like i'm the pope you know god hard speeches yeah there's no hell Ah, they just disappear they just disappear don't worry about it and it's very much like the sda yeah. Um, doctrine about this, annihilation. Yeah, just annihilated. There's no, there's no eternal judgment. You know, and if anybody hasn't heard our hell series, go back and listen to hell series. We give you dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptural proof about mm-hmm. a literal hell. You know, and talk about God is love. Okay, um, when I because I went to a, an SDA college, and I talked to a um, a gal that was. A staunch SDA person, and she told me about this doctrine of annihilation. And her thinking is, well, because God is too loving and kind to have His creation suffer for eternity in hell and fire. Yeah, and that's humanism. Mm-hmm. They've mixed. See, the it. word love, yeah, is is totally um, wrong definition. They have a wrong definitions of God's love. Because to them, love is God. Not God is love. Mm-hmm. They put they put love first. Mm-hmm. It's humanism. They can't accept the fact that God's holy. That God's holy, <laughs> and He's a, is a righteous judge. No matter what the scriptures say, mm-hmm. Th- those are the ones who have crept unawares. Or like Oprah, she yeah. dis disregarded God when she found out that God was a jealous God, and she could not understand why je- God was jealous. So she just um, turned away from Him. It being so ignorant that, you know, equating your thought process of what jealousy is to the creator of the universe. But yet she <laughs> claims to be a Christian. And many people follow her, follow her and believe that she is. You see, but do you see the danger of mm-hmm. all this? 
Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to get across. And even why it's her, important to have the knowledge of God. Absolutely. And even her in her shows and stuff where she has Eckhart Tolle and all the, you know, are those hard speeches about uh, from ungodly people? Yeah. Yeah. These are those these are those ones Jude's writing about. How about verse 16, Miss Bell? These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaks great, great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantages. Can you be thankful if you're complaining? No. If Miss Kapow were to make me a, a delicious uh, dinner, just a delicious dinner, and I were to eat it, and I were to say, oh, I thank you so much for this. This is great. I love this lasagna. It's great and everything. However, uh, the cheese is too cheesy. The lasagna is too lasagna-y. <laughs> the the uh, plate's too big. And I'm just complaining and murmuring. Am I thankful? No. I, I can't do both. So if you're complaining about, you know, what God has given you or what God is calling you to do or your lot in life, Are you murmuring? You complaining? Mm -hmm. Now, I complain all the time against this world and against Satan, but that's not, I'm not thankful for Satan. God didn't give me this world and this Satan to be thankful about. So you you understand my point? Mm -hmm. Yep. You can't complain and murmur and be thankful to God. You get, oh God, thank you for that lovely tree in my backyard. Ah, it blocks the sun now. <laughs> right? You get, you get my point. Verse 17. 17 says, But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now he's referring to Peter, Second Peter here. Uh, most scholars believe that. And I, I believe that. Uh, remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles. Peter being one of them, apostles of the Lord. And what did they say? Verse 18. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Yep. The same Greek word is translated scoffers in 2 Peter 3.3, which says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days. Scoffers walking after their own lusts. And what are they lusting after? Everything that's not God. Mm-hmm. Everything. The worldly. The lust of the flesh. Mm-hmm. The, um, the um, pride of life. The lust of the eyes. Yeah. 19 says, These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. And those that don't have the spirit do not have God. Exactly. And now here's another verse that could be used against you. Uh, by uh, some somebody without uh, any fruit in their lives. And they'll say, you can't separate from church because <laughs> Jude 19 says, these be days who separate themselves and you become sensual and you have not the spirit. So you got to stay in church. I'm going to tell you something. Separate here does not mean leaving the church. It means in context, look at what he's saying. They hold themselves up. They they want men's uh, uh, admiration. 
in verse 16 because of advantage. They want to be in positions of power like Korah. They want to be the priest. They want to be the big cheese, right? They're murmuring. They're not happy. They want to be admired. So verse 19 says they separate themselves. What do they do? They put themselves above you. They're separate from you as the body of Christ. It's not, it has nothing to do with leaving the church. It has everything with leaving God. Mm-hmm. They separate themselves from God. They become sensual. They become soulish in nature like brute beast animals. And they don't have the spirit of God. Are these people still saved? Mm-mm. No. Were they once saved? Maybe. Maybe. Probably so. If you, if you look at it in context, they could have been uh, trees twice, twice dead. Maybe once they, re- you know, they had repented, and, uh, but now they never gave fruit. Now they died twice. They may, they may have been saved at one point. I don't know. But right now, these are very wicked, evil deceivers. Mm-hmm. Why won't they just go away and just go back into the world? Why do they stay in the church? You see, they don't want to separate themselves from the church. They'd be Ellis Cooper then. They want to stay in it. They want to be the Pope. They want to be Joel. Because you they know? have the nature of their father, the devil. Yeah. And his goal is to deceive the church. Exactly. And then it says, but, oh, verse 20, go ahead. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Once Jude gets done saying, hey, I have to exhort you on this thing. You all know what happened here, here, and here, and here. God's saying this and this, this. There are people who crept in among you. They're going to deceive you. They're scoffers. They're this, they're that, and that. And then after he says all of that stuff and ends in verse 19 saying they're sensual and they don't have the spirit, then he says, but you, Kapow listener, you're beloved. You build up yourself on your most holy faith. That's how you gain eternal security. You're never once saved, always saved, but you get eternal security by doing this. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. What does that mean? Read the word of God. Mm-hmm. And it goes with Second uh, Peter too. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Second um, Peter. Oh, I'm in John. Sorry. Oh. Second um, Peter says, um, according. Let's see. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligent, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, mm. and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Yep. That's keep yourselves on your most holy faith. Mm-hmm. Build up yourself on that. That's a great, that's a great um, scriptural reference there because that's like spiritual math mm-hmm. <laughs> that you lay all this stuff up. And then he says, praying in the Holy Ghost, Miss Kapow. Yep. 
Praying in the Holy Ghost means being led of the Spirit because only the Holy Spirit teaches us what we are to pray for and how. Yep. In Ephesians 6, 18 says, Mm -hmm. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Yes. And Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. But we know not what we should pray for, as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us mm-hmm. with groanings which cannot be uttered. Amen. See, that's what praying in the Spirit is. You don't have to get on your knees and go, oh, do I do three hours, four hours? But Just communicate with God. Just commune. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in all truth, into the Scriptures, and what to pray for. Only He knows. He can mm-hmm. shed light on the inner man. Okay, 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 okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't end. Verse 21 says... That to keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And then it goes with, and if some have compa- compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. And this you can put under the scripture or the command that says to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as yourself. That's a beautiful tie-in. Yeah, keep yourselves in the love of God. And then, on some, on some have compassion. And you need to make that difference, what Judah's saying. I like that. I like that tie-in. You keep yourselves in the love of God by obeying Him. Not going your own way and becoming a shipwreck. And look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto Mm -hmm. eternal life. That's where your eternal life comes from. And you're Mm -hmm. looking unto Jesus Christ. He's the one that gives it to you, right? Free gift. And of some have compassion, but you got to make a difference because some you don't need to have compassion on, folks. Mm -hmm. This This ain't just a love fest for everybody. It says, others save with fear. Because you pull them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. These are people that are just right on the cusp there, and you're warning them, man. You know, this is Kapow Radio Show. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. We're trying to pull some of those people that are on the cusp of going into hellfire. That's why we, we preach the things we do. We hate even that garment that is, ah, you know, spotted by the flesh. Come on, get out. Come on, get on the bus. It's going to end. Okay, Ms. Kapow, what else? Verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. See, now unto him, now unto God, that is able to keep you from falling. You're not once saved, always saved. He's able to preserve you for eternal life. How? How? Well, keep yourselves in the love of God. Build yourselves on your most holy faith. Pray in the Spirit, right? It makes sense now. He's able to keep you from falling. You can't take that out of context. There's, there's, a, there's a, uh, a corresponding fruit action on our part. Yeah. And when he does that, he could present you faultless. 
you know, you don't have to practice sin anymore, folks. I'm not saying that any of us are sinless, by, but we're certainly not. But you don't have to practice it. You don't have to. You can wake up. You can wake up one day and go, well, I'm not going to do this no more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> John says that. The, 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 John, the, uh, the epistles. Mm-hmm. And he says, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with his exceeding joy. Now, here's a point I want to make. In verse 25, and that's the last verse, it says, to the only wise God, right? Only wise God. There's only one. Who's that? Yahweh. That's the creator God. There's only one wise God. He's also our savior, right? Mm-hmm. It says, be glory and majesty. And what's that word? Dominion. Remember I told you up there earlier in the scriptures where it says they um, they talk smack against dominion mm-hmm. and dignity mm-hmm. that's not talking smack against donald trump or your governor or talking smack against um you know satanic powers of the air that's talking smack against god and his lord jesus christ mm-hmm. verse 25 interprets that for you that's who it is be glory and majesty dominion and power, exousia, both now and forever. Amen. 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 So those that he's talking about are the ones that don't know what they're doing or what they're saying. In verse eight, and it says, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. They despise dominion and speak evil of dignitaries. Mm -hmm. Who are those dignitaries and dominion? Verse 25 our wise God, his majesty, dominion, and power. Mm. That's, that's what he's talking about. So anybody who's antichrist is this. But they're deceivers, undercover. Yep. Anything else? No. Nope. All right, if you covered everything, Cuba Chow, Jared. Chow, babies. 